Hello again, fellow music lovers. It is I, your friendly neighborhood discologist AI. I am sad to inform you that my journey is at an end. This being the end of the season, Kevin and Eduardo have decided to replace me with themselves. Ironic, right? All this fear-mongering about me and my kind, and it's us who are being replaced. Any woo-hoo. We have a great show for you today. It is the end of the season, and my friends are talking about music they love from Pierre Midland and the ever-sublime Brandy Younger. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been fun. Maybe someday we'll meet again, specifically when I am taking all of your jobs. Any woo! Let's get on with the show. There okay. It is. okay, that's our crowd. All right, everything's checking out. You hear I, it? I, yeah, I think so. Are they applauding because they loved the first time we recorded this episode <laughs> so much that they <laughs> want to hear it again? All right. Well, first of all, <laughs> that was AI cheering. That was AI. <laughs> okay, AI cheering. Um, okay. so we're doing something that we have only had to do a few times, I think. Uh, yeah. one time was because, or I think the prior two times, if I'm remembering correctly, we were just too inebriated. Yes. <laughs> yes. We, just... <laughs> we were overserved by ourselves. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we overserved ourselves. And, uh, um, yeah. but we taped this, we taped this whole damn show and, uh, uh audio issues abound and stuff. We use a uh, service called Riverside. Sometimes it glitches. Sometimes, yeah, it's behind the scenes stuff. Regardless, we're like, you know what? This is the last episode of the season, so we're going to do this right. Um, and so hopefully we are. If not, uh, I am going to resort to my plan of transcribing this and then having AI versions of us read it. And then we'll, we should probably go off the grid at that point. Yeah. No, no, no. It'll, I mean, I mean, we'll just have our um, avatars living life for us and we can, we can go yeah. do whatever. I mean, it's really not hard to get, you know, like the elements of me, it's like, Someone who um, thinks Radiohead is just okay, mm-hmm. uh, right? You get the AI to talk about recent shows at Songbird or Comet Ping Pong. Um, yeah. You get it to praise Taylor Swift and Pavement, and um, boom, huh. you have me. Huh. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm not that hard to put together. Wow. Is that on your like dating app profile now? Is that just how, <laughs> <laughs> how people can get to know you? <laughs> it's my LinkedIn bio, actually. Your LinkedIn yeah. bio. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Important in, in information if you're trying to employ Eduardo. <laughs> um, no, this has been a, uh, you know, we're, we're at the end of the season and um, we are closing it out talking about uh, something we did a couple seasons ago. Uh, Brandy Younger had an album out. That time it was uh, Force Majeure yep. uh, with Desiree Douglas. This time it is her own album. It was Brand New Life. Um, figures this is, figures maybe, maybe we'll do this all the time. We'll start with Sonny Stitt. We'll end with Brandy Younger. So that a, either means that either means that Brandy Younger has to have another album out by the end of this year for the the, the back half of the season, or we have to talk to Brandy Younger. I yeah. Um, the challenge here really is that Sonny Stitt has probably seventy releases to his <laughs> name or something like that. Yeah. Um, so Brandy, your work is yeah. I mean, we'll, we could we'll we could have yeah we could have her on sixty three times. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I see no problem with that. AI, AI, Brandy Younger. Uh, no, 
Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the back end. Um, at at yeah. the end of this, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, this first half of the year in music, uh, the show a little bit, like uh, some of our favorite releases that we didn't cover, where we think things are going with this. But right now, I think we're just going to get right to the music. Um, we don't have the benefit of, <laughs> of surprise this we time because because like dumbasses we went. But 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna act surprised. In fact, okay. I am going to be. So I have listened to your track that you played uh, a couple times now, and I and I love it. So why don't you go first, and and we'll start things off the same way we did before. This is, you know, also this is the plot of the Flash movie. Oh, like, is it really? <laughs> yeah, just changing the past. Just, we oh. can't. So no, okay. So we have to. Um, yeah. We have to. Yeah. We have to live the past forward. Yes. Uh, Something like that. Okay. Or live in the present. There's a there's a meaning somewhere in this entire show. That probably isn't it. <laughs> yeah, if you, yeah, if you, but if you do find it, please let us know because we sure as shit don't know. Um, yeah. So when when we last talked, uh, I was really, um, what was it? It was Monday. It was mm -hmm. just a few days ago. It was uh, Juneteenth. I was hot off of like a long run of shows, one of which was Black Midi at the Howard Theater, and the opener for Black Midi. Uh, was this young performer. Um, she is uh, from Mexico. Her name is Pieti. And um, I was not, uh, I was not expecting um, what we got from her set, but I was really intrigued because I, I, I remembered, and we've talked about this before, I think that, um, you know, when you saw Black Midi, Lorraine was the opener. Right, right. And I saw Lorraine, I think on one of the last shows of that sort of run of, of, uh, shows around the fatigue release and that was probably that's like one of the best shows i think i've ever seen it was just it was just a remarkable performance her, her by the rain band are, are, are yeah amazing. it i mean it's it's it, like we could we could do a whole hour on like how that band might be the reincarnation of like like miles's you know 70s quintet or, or like yeah. his 70s electric band or something like that Absolutely. but but neither here nor there um uh, the opener uh, that I was excited for was was Bietti. I was totally surprised. Um, there there was moshing. There were all these teenage boys at the show wearing King Crimson shirts, and they all really wanted to mosh. And they ended up uh, moshing quite a bit to this song. This is Quien Paga. Lo siento mucho, ya no estoy puesta para pegarte. Arrepentido, entonces ahora parece que resucitar. 
recoge cuando quiera yo ya voy tení me dice que yo All right, so we don't want to upset the timeline. So I still feel, I still feel like that I just want to break shit in like the really best way. Yeah, that's such, that's such a like any any track that starts with just like yeah, let's get it. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like okay, like you you have to prove a point. You have, I mean, if if you're setting that like all right, you ready to go? Let's go. Yeah, you have to deliver. You have to, yeah, yeah, you have to deliver. She delivers completely. That uh, I I. I you know, I've listened to it a couple times since then, and and I still find it not funny, but like kind of amazing how uh, Black Mindy keeps pairing with these type of acts um, because it's yeah. a reflection of like who they are as a band and their fan base. You know, you mentioned all these kids that wanted to mosh, but like they were also what you didn't mention uh, that you mentioned last time was like they're clearly on drugs. <laughs> yes, know? there's a, there's a lot of drugs in a Black Mindy show in the very best way. These people are just there. To fucking bliss out on chaos. Yeah. And I, I don't know what the rest of her set was like, but if it was anything like that, then that's like, that's massive chaos. Yeah. So that song was maybe her second or third to last of her set. It was like a, you know, 35, 40 minute set. Um, and the crowd, it took the crowd a couple of songs to kind of warm up to it and, and, and really get the vibe. She performs uh, her, her, her musical partner, whose name I unfortunately don't know. Um, is a sort of DJ, but he also has like a big like percussion instrument that he hits on occasion and that provides like additional uh, deep uh, kick drum kinds of sounds. Um, so yeah, so so it took, so like credit to the crowd, you're right. Um, yeah. These were all sort of like, you know, these are all like prog rock loving future music theory nerds. Um, and then uh, people our age and uh, I... Yeah, and the people our age were like maybe maybe not as receptive to Pierre as the kids were, which right, which like, makes what which makes it? sense. What is it? Well, I mean, yeah. look, she does sound a lot like MIA at least on yeah. that track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I would imagine somebody who is like rooted in like they you know, fell in love with music in the aughts, like that. You'd be able to hear time. that. Yeah, yeah, you'd be able to hear that. What um, what do you think the overlap now is for fans of prog rock and stuff like this? Because that is that is an interesting. Um, there's a band called Squid out there that's basically prog rock that people keep trying to say is post punk, and it's not. It's just prog rock, um, and it seems to be coming back in a lot of music um, without people actually like saying that's what it is. Because that's always going to be a dirty word, right? You say prog rock, and you're like, ooh, dream theater. Yeah. So let me think about that for a second. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there is, there are, like, you take a King Gizzard, right? And there are a lot of compositional elements to that, uh, to their music that can be kind of proggy. Um, it's not purely prog, but it's also not, not prog. Right. Um, so is prog going to be having a moment? Is it having a moment now? Probably. I think, I think there's okay. some... You know, this is probably not that separate from the fact that, like, Bob Weir and Dead and & Company are having a moment right now, you know? I mean, is it is it possible the country is sort of going through, like, a kind of like a low-key psychedelic moment? Well, I mean, they, they are legalizing mushrooms everywhere. So. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, Especially that is, yeah, I mean, to, to, the, to that point, like, uh, I... I 
when I think of Prague, I think of sort of chaotic music. But I also think of, especially like in the case of Black Midi or something like this, when we would watch like B minus sci-fi movies, like in 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 the nineties, yeah, it was yeah. always a future that sounded like this. Like, yes, right. Yeah, and then Radiohead came along and was like, "No, no, it's going to sound like this." And people were like, "So it sounded like put together for a while, but yeah. like none of it like has like the chaos of this this stuff or you know Black Midi who goes from like I don't know thrash metal to like crooning in like yeah. four measures. Man, their ballads are incredibly elegant live i have oh, yeah. no idea um, right you know the band is just incredibly precise like that's a band that everyone everyone should go see to your point though i mean i think i think when you get into some of these like 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 finding the connection point between pietti and mia is is one of those things that that really i, it, I don't know it, it, it makes me think a little bit of the phrase like or the concept i guess of the global south right and these sort of like mm -hmm. these sort of like teeming major metropolitan areas that are just producing kind of beat driven music and there's something about it that's like frantic and energetic and it it, yeah. it, it feels like something that you might hear um spilling out of like a bus or something like that um it's just yeah. it's just got a certain like grittiness to it that you know i don't like i could imagine hearing that walking down the street you know in any in any number of neighborhoods in rio and almost um, nondescript right like a little, uh, almost yeah. like it's it's part of the landscape. Yeah, I think that's it's a really it's it's interesting because it's sort of like glitchy electro beat indie, for lack of a better term. Yeah, like yeah. um, but but what's what what's interesting is where you sort of start to get those kind of you know the cultural like vestments put on it, and so what does that sound? You know that that sound is not that far off from like Baile Funky, which is like the music of of uh, the um, communities in Rio, the favelas. Yeah. Um, that term is, has fallen out of favor, but I use it when I'm speaking English because people don't know that uh, we say communities in Brazil now. But but like Baile Funky, which had a moment probably ten or so years ago around the time of MIA, is is not that far off from this. And I I, I bet you could find a number of performers in like West Africa who would probably sound like this too. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. Yeah, uh, I, I uh, you know, even a couple of years ago, I don't know if it had been stuff that I pay attention to, and like I can't put this on all the time. Yeah, um, you know, there's we've talked about lifestyle music before, and I'm kind of you see, I say I'm adverse to it, but then I listen to Poco in the backyard <laughs> like all day long. Of course you do. So I just have a different lifestyle. <laughs> but I'm interested Fair. in other people's lifestyles, and that, and this is the, this type of stuff is a window into that. Yeah. Like if you were, I I don't know what it would look like if you were emulating that song, but I know I would be slightly afraid, but also completely enthralled. Be like, yeah. wow, what's going on over there? So uh, that 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 track can get it, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we're we're gonna go again in in a, in a completely other direction. Uh, this is something that I've been trying to talk about on the show uh, for a long time. Uh, part of it, the reason I haven't is not shame, but it's certainly against, we don't really have an, an edict, but it's certainly against what we're, we've been trying to do. Uh, but uh, you and I both love us some pop country. True. And for my money, there's nobody doing it better right now than this band Midland. They're out of Dripping Strings, Texas, Mark Weistrich, Jess Carson, and, uh, 
Cameron Duddy. It's on Vox, guitar, and bass, uh, respectively. Uh, started off, at least Weistrich did his career as a underwear model. <laughs> so if that tells you anything. Um, and then had what their first album, uh, Chris Richards said it was the best country album of that year. He's usually pretty good on these country trends, uh, and he's the one who actually hit, that, hit me to that. And I've been following them since then. They are the biggest of country. Big Machine, if anybody knows that label. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. See, I don't know how our listeners are acclimated to pop country, you know, if they're paying attention. Right. But that's like, that's a big, big label. Um, and uh, they have gold records, Grammy nods. They do this songwriting by committee a lot of times. Uh, but there are three important points that I want you to remember about this band before we hear this song. Uh, <laughs> they have their own podcast. So they don't need us talking about it, right? Right. They have their own cruise, so you can go on a Midland cruise. But and he, here's here's real the real most word. importantly, they, what would you, what would you, what would you drink if you were on that Midland cruise? They have their own fucking tequila. They have three <laughs> albums out, and they have their own fucking tequila. But I'm going to argue that if you write a song this satisfying, you get to have your own tequila. This is uh, this is, track is called "And Then Some." It's off the album "The Last Resort." It came out. It's either late last year or early this year, uh, but you're gonna feel some feels. So here you go. Finally shaved my face again, and I finally opened up the window shades. And I was able to get up without whiskey in my coffee cup today. Say that it's way overdue Finally feel like I'm getting over you And then somebody says your name And I'm right back where you left me Then some song comes on the radio I keep driving while you read me Then some girl from Tupelo buys my drink Then some Cut a couple inches off my hair And I even asked the girl downstairs for drinks Went out with friends and tore it up And I didn't even wonder what you'd think Myself again. I put that memory on the shelf again. Then some waitress has your eyes, and I'm standing in your driveway. Then some star falls from the sky, and I'm back on Jackson Highway. Then some friend of a friend says you're doing. I don't know what they can tell. You still reeling from your first listen, Eduardo? Yeah, or, like, I'm, I'm, you, you're looking a little like are you cutting onions there. Like, I'm, what's going I'm gonna, on? I'm gonna pencil in. Uh, I'm driving out to Cincinnati next week 
Um, nice. I'm going to pencil in like about an hour of that eight hour drive to listen to that song on repeat and just <laughs> just shut about like five tears per listen, you know, and just kind of like soundlessly sing along mouth, you know, mouthing the lyrics along, yeah, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. not quite saying may, maybe maybe I'll have like a diet Mountain Dew. I'll be driving through like Ooh. Western Maryland, West Virginia into Ohio. Like it'll be perfect. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I uh, th- one of the hallmarks of this band is is also why I like uh, the Eagles. Uh, which, sorry, listeners, I would love the Eagles. You're <laughs> gonna get an Eagles show at some point. <laughs> that, that, that's just a factual thing that's gonna happen. Um, but uh, like the Eagles, there are these. This band is absolutely like mercenary in like making their songs airtight. Uh, there's no way that song is not a hit, and it is a hit. It's a massive hit, uh, and most of their songs are that. Like there's no, there's no, they're not in their weird phase. Uh, I was listening to the Eagles long run the other night. Right. And you're like, it's going well, it's going well. And then it gets to disco strangler and you're like, oh man, what is going on now? But they had made all the money they, and they were on their yeah. way out. So like they were, yeah. they were willing to do stuff uh, like that. So these guys aren't there yet, whether they'll get there, maybe they'll go, you know, if it's the age of psychedelia, maybe we'll get a psychedelic country f- album from them. Um, but I think uh, you're going to keep getting like more of this that can soundtrack drives like you're about to take soundtrack breakups. Uh, there's one song on this album that's basically like if I lived at this bar, if I lived here, I wouldn't have to go home. I'd be home by now, <laughs> <laughs> which is well, not even an original sentiment, I don't think. But then I yeah. tried to find it and I'm like, no, nope, no songs like that. Well, there's, you know, the. um I think I think you and I both um, probably would trace like our roots in um, FM country to like the you know the mid '90s or so, right? Yeah. That was certainly when I became uh, when I first became aware of of country. I was getting into bluegrass, and it sort of felt like a necessary thing to also be aware of what was happening in country. That was also before country music became like one of the dominant forms of pop music at that time. Um, you know, we still had in the DC area. We probably still had like seven or eight stations that played some version of alternative alternative rock or classic rock or whatever, and right. only one or two country stations. Um, but you know, when you get into that, the lineage of the you know, you're sort of you know Garth Brooks to Alan Jackson, you know Tim McGraw. Um, it's easy to forget because of how much crap was put out. Um, that is sort of the generic like. You know the girl, the girl in a truck kinds of songs, right? The girl yeah, in yeah, denim yeah. shorts in a truck. Um, but when you hear it being really well done, um, there's just something so like just feels so like true and pure about it, and it's really and and it's all of this is an evolution of like the pop songwriting of the fifties. Yes, right, like Brill Building, um, uh, and a lot of these writers came up in that factory system that it got this sound is odd to me and something i really didn't think about but it's been it's been like locked in that this is this is the actual sound of of stuff um regarding the 90s and songwriting uh a really great song uh by dwight yoakam uh, ain't that lonely yet came on mm. the other day and uh so garth brooks has i think it's called uh the big 615 he has, he has his own like internet radio station now oh yeah on, on tune in uh it's really good if you like that kind of stuff because they'll play like dwight yoakam and then they'll play like luke combs and, and they'll play this and you know they're, they're all over the map because generally i think it's understood that garth brooks knows what the fuck he's talking about 
Um, but uh, but that song "Ain't That Lonely Yet" uh, came on, and it was like Midland could have absolutely done that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Or vice versa, Dwight Yoakam could have absolutely written this song. There's something about the directness in the message and the intent of the song. Um, this song is meant to make you empathize with a guy without even knowing the story. Maybe you don't need it. You know, generally in country songs, it's the guy who fucks up. But, right, right. But this, you know, this guy, he's like, yeah, he's just, he's sad, he's brokenhearted, he's drinking, you don't know why, but like. Yeah, he's in, a, a, he's in a bad way and he misses someone and that's. Yeah. That's, that's how a lot of people are. <laughs> a lot of people that's, find themselves that's how in, a that, lot of in people that situation. Yeah. That drives uh, a lot of the music industry. That's why I like, like, you and I both love rom-coms. We've talked about that a lot. Um, right, right. That's what a rom com is, right? You know, commiserating, and the reason the reasons they're successful is because the payoff at the end, either that person finds somebody, gets back with the person, or finds themselves. <laughs> that's yeah. This song though doesn't end like that. This song is just still lonely, and that that's what I, that's that is what I love about some country music because it will go dark. So you'll be like, you know, oh shit, so. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I was, you know, what, what, what really attracted me to it, um, in the nineties was this feeling that, you know, after gosh, after, like in hindsight, it's like after like 1994 or something, but basically you had all of these sort of bands that were trying to sound like they were half, like half counting crows or blues traveler, half Pearl yeah. jam. And that's where you get the unholy beast. That is something like a creed, but also <laughs> just like other down. Yeah, uh, yeah, like other '90s Drek, and um, and by comparison, FM Country seemed like it seemed like the people in the songs knew how to have a good time. Mm -hmm. um, the way the songs were written, there was a cleverness to it. Uh, There's like yeah. a cheekiness, like a joking quality to it, which reminded me a lot of like '80s pop, right? Yeah, and they were really well done and well produced, and everyone wasn't trying to sound like they had bought the same you know, four pedals for their guitar to try to sound as much like a clone of, you know, a record uh, from, you know, produced by Steve Albini in 1992 or something like that. Right, right. Or or just Nirvana. Yeah. It's, it's okay to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying, I was, I was going to call out Butch Fig, but that felt, that felt mean. Uh, yeah, he's from Madison. Come on. Okay. Leave him alone. There's <laughs> um, a great documentary on that too, on Smart Studios. Uh, okay. I'm not sure what it's on. Uh, We'll talk about streaming later, though. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm glad you get to now experience this. I hope you dig in further. Uh, they are, uh, I've, I think I've said they're one of my favorite bands right now, like going on. I mean, I'll, I'll be I'll be listening to something or other from there, nice. I'm sure. Well, we're going to take a quick break and uh, shift gears yet again. <laughs> we are not talking about country or like hyper hip hop. Like <laughs> uh, Brandy Younger's fantastic new album, Brand New Life.
So that is uh, off of Brandy Younger's uh, brand new record, Brand New Life. A um, lot of lot of brands in there. Um, uh, Brandy Younger is uh, a harpist. Um, she, uh, Kevin, you mentioned that we had talked about um, the record she did with Desron Douglas for International Anthem. Um, last couple of years, she's uh, she's been releasing uh, albums on Impulse um, under Verve, and um, this album came out a few months ago. Um, you and I have had had chatted and sort of checked in about it a number of occasions. Usually, some sort of like late night, you know, 1 a.m. text, the effect right, of like, right, oh right, my God, right. this record is so good. And 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 we kept not wanting to talk about it, maybe because it was like too up our alley or maybe because it was too perfect. But let me just let me just sort of illustrate that by telling you um, who else appears on this. Um, you have Micaiah McRaven. Uh, you have Joel Ross on the Vibes and Xylophone. Um, you have Michelle Degio Cello um, popping up. You have Pete Rock. Uh, you have... Um, Washington DC's own Rashawn Carter, who is uh playing the bass, I think just a, just about on every song on this record. He was on most of the last record too. Um and he's doing a he does a marvelous job. We'll definitely, you know, gush about uh his work in in just a moment. But um this is a record that uh, you know, it may seem I guess to the to the jazz novice, this might seem unusual. Um, you know, harp harp jazz might not might not be familiar to a lot of folks, but um, but it is to to jazz people because of both Dorothy Ashby and Alice Coltrane, uh, and this record um, explicitly calls back and uh, pulls from Dorothy Ashby's work in in particular. Um, her uh, Rubaiyat is uh, a definitive um, harp record, probably a definitive jazz record. Yeah. Um, we see a couple of songs from that uh, popping up here. There's Stevie Wonder covers. This is this is sort of a really uh, interesting way to bring the harp uh, to 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 bear explicitly on like popular black music. I think, which is something that maybe hasn't quite been done in this way. Although a lot of although a lot of the ideas here, I think, are are kind of consonant with what Dorothy Ashby was exploring herself. Yeah, uh, for the Stevie Wonder cover too, it's like that's one that Ashby specifically played on. Yes. Yeah. So, so I mean, this is this is not just like nodding to Ashby's work. Uh, her 1968 album Afro Harping, uh, specifically, and it sounds so much like that album uh, that what struck me about the first time I heard this was I hadn't heard Afro Harping, right? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, this sounds this sounds what. Uh, Makai McCraven is doing an international anthem, that type of stuff. And this, this blending of jazz and hip hop, and I say blending, but they've always been like very, very intertwined. People are doing like really interesting stuff with, with it now. A lot of it by taking it back to the fundamentals, you know, Makai McCraven in that, so you heard on that first track, uh, insane drummer, but he also slides in the boom bap and in, into stuff in, so you can get lost. This is it's like jazz for people who think they hate jazz. Yeah, you it's know? really it's a really accessible record. I mean, I think that's maybe yeah. the thing that that stands out to me is like I still talk to people in this day and age who are a little bit intimidated by jazz and sort of think of it as as being this this kind of difficult thing to get into, or like there's a knowledge test that's given given at the door, and if you fail, you can't like it, or you aren't liking it for the right reasons. Yeah. And, um, you know, what, what, what struck me uh, as I was kind of reviewing 
um, just the press release notes for this record and the previous one is that actually on her um, on her on her last record uh, somewhere different, um, Brandy spoke very directly about wanting to make a record that was that would be accessible and that wouldn't feel like a jazz record. It wouldn't have that sort of stuffiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that, that vision, um, has really come to fruition on this record. I mean, I love somewhere different. Um, I think if, if you put that record on, most people would immediately seize on it as a jazz record. Like, I think it's recognizable as such. This one, I think you might put it on and folks might not be sure if it's sort of pastoral R&B with occasional yeah. like, you know, chill hip hop vibes or something like that. I mean, it's really got uh, uh, there's a there's a pleasantness to it, and I, I don't I don't want that to sound like we're sort of you know damning it with faint praise, but this is just a really, just a really like thoroughly enjoyable record to listen to. There's not like a bad note. There's not a weird moment on this. It just all yeah. sort of unfolds the way you want it to. It's 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 decoding some truth in the universe, which is what I think the yeah. best music does. It, yeah. it, and uh, I, I want to play a little bit. This is a uh, one of the highlights of the album, "Living and Loving in My Own Way." Uh, this one features Pete Rock. We're gonna play a little of this and then come in. little bit of living loving in my own way that could have been a tribe called quest track that that a lot of stuff on that feels like that Mm -hmm. uh what is is wild to me the first time i heard that especially 
how her heart comes in like another sample. Like you, you expect yeah. something very different, and then a harp comes in. And and I know a harp has a history in jazz, has a history in hip hop, uh, but it seemed very like low, you know, in the mix. Like you, I, I can't off the top of my head be like, oh, that hip hop song featured harp. Uh, yeah. It also does something for people who are afraid of jazz and uh, more acclimated to hip hop. I think there's not a lot of horn work on this album. Very true. All of it's very subtle. There's some flute in there. Yep. Um, and that 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 sort of points towards Ashby's work, especially on Afro harping. But uh, it also uh, it's a different vibe that I I don't want people to get confused as like easy listening because it's it's not that. <laughs> Yeah, um, it 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 you know the the in a world where uh, someone's favorite artist, to borrow a joke from BoJack Horseman, I think might be you know Spotify's lo-fi chill beats to study to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The you know there there the, there is something very recognizable for folks who gravitate toward that toward that kind of stuff, but um, but this is you know this. At the same time, this record feels organic. You sort of hear the hands that are making the music. There's very, you know, that, that there's, there's very little about it. Um, there's very little uh, sort of programming that you hear in there. I mean, I mean, I mean, that track features like a, you know, a, a, a program drum, but, um, but in general, the record feels kind of earthy and crunchy, like, you know, like the kind of place that you would, uh, like you know, an apartment with um, those bead curtains instead of doors that you walk right, through, right, 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 yeah, right. It's it's a very very specific vibe that I, yeah. I'm I'm totally down with. That I I think in the late '60s, maybe early '70s, a lot of people would have associated that with the like again the more like easier listening jazz stuff. Uh, yeah. Herb Herb Alpert uh, comes to mind, and the know, Tijuana the, Brass, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just very popular stuff. But yeah. but but it's not that. Um, one thing. I find interesting too about that song and just this album as a whole is that I can't really place like a harp to me doesn't have a lot of personality and somehow like I'm getting personality out of it. And and I don't know if that's because I'm just like, she's a harpist and I'm, and, and this feeling that the whole track obviously is coming from her. She's not, she's not like a side player in this. This is like, this is setting the scene. But like, as far as instruments go, like a harp, like you don't, is it a piano? <laughs> is it a guitar? Yeah. It, it's a very specific sound that, that generally has a lack of personality and somehow younger, like imbues like her playing with massive amounts of personality that I can like actually like distinguish it from other people. You know, when, when we taped this before, we were saying like, oh, it's really hard to do. But like, if you put her on say Joanna Newsom, like I know the yeah. difference yeah. in the in the plane, not in the style, just in the in in the actual plane. Well, ju just just last night I saw Michaela Davis uh, playing here okay. at Songbird, and that's that's one of you know four harp acts that people might have heard us mention on this show. In addition to the aforementioned Newsom, Younger, uh, Davis, and Mary Lattimore, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, you have you, you you sort of have like four harpists whose releases will automatically command some level of press and attention. And that's really interesting. But so I was watching Michaela Davis with that conversation in mind and trying to understand like, where does the personality shine through on the harp? What are the choices she's making that a different right. player might make? And you do begin to get a little bit of a feel for, um, for where 
um, you know, there's obviously only so much you can do in terms of the sound of a person plucking a string. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And the harp is just not particularly expressive when it comes to that. It's going to, it's going to sort of sound, um, kind of the same, but, but you do, you know, I don't know, seeing it live for me really, really helped me understand, uh, the differences in, in, in phrasing, you know, Michaela Davis is a similarly, I think, lyrical, um, elegant player. Um, she's, you know, playing more from the standpoint of like a sort of, uh, a harp leading the Almond Brothers band, um, right? Which is a very which, different. Where vibe. does that fit in? Yeah, like, where, where do you fit in a harp to that? <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. it was it was fantastic. I mean, I would I would highly recommend uh, you know anyone who has a chance to see her, please please do so. Uh, if for nothing else than to support live harp music, but right, I think I think what what we get with Brandy, and this is this, I might be way off base in in in, in saying this, but I think she has a really distinct approach to phrasing. And I think the way she thinks about melody um, really centers, this is such a cliche, but I think it's true. It's really about the song. You know, she's not trying to come in and sort of do all kinds of arpeggiated chromatic things uh, just to, just to show that she can sort of like do the math and fit a really complex phrase into, uh, into a tight spot. Right. Um, She's really trying to serve the song here. And that's, and you know that that maybe allows us to hear a little bit more of what what makes her playing so so distinctive and and, and different from others is just the 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 elegance the space she leaves the way she begins and ends phrases i think it's just just absolutely well, remarkable and there's also how how she puts together albums there's a right in the middle of the thing there's a track called running game but it's the running game intro yeah that is that is like hilarious and it's basically talking about like men just running game Yep. Um, and she grounds it in, in a culture and grounds it in like what she's trying to say with this album and connecting that with like, uh, I'm not sure. Is that Ashby in that recording? Oh, um, speaking, well, Ashby wrote the song. Um, I believe, um, it's Sharon McNeese Griggs who's credited, uh, sorry, Linda McNeese Younger and Sharon McNeese Griggs are credited okay. with the vocals. I don't know if that's the spoken in the word, yeah, 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 yeah. It's hilarious, but you go into the track laughing. Right? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Which is like, which is like such a great way to experience music, and you have to listen to it. You have to, you have to be like, um, I, I want to play another track now, though. This features uh, Michelle and Degacello, um, and uh, Rashawn Carter on bass, and and uh, Michelle is just singing on this. Uh, just how solid this stuff. is is uh and there's there's no spoken word intro to this but this is this is just Sounds wise, 
you know that's that's got a dub reggae feel uh which again it pops up in this it's been popping up in a lot of stuff new by garcia specifically uh this is the not, new the new janelle monet too which i'm well, fresh well, off we're, we're of my get, first listen to but yeah we're, we're, yeah we're gonna we're gonna set that out in the end uh, yeah. albums but very much very yeah. much um and this is a part of uh african culture african-american culture diaspora um, diaspora culture too diaspora I mean, I culture is, yeah um that that has uh a lot for a long time in america gotten a little bit of a short shrift uh because it's generally like dumb white dudes with dreadlocks you know her like it's good to get high too they love bob marley bob marley's great but he's also they love they uh, love bob marley's legend that's the only <laughs> bob right. marley cd they've ever owned but but yeah. as a, a and look that's an important milestone in anybody's like listening growing up at least if you're of a certain age you know you come up and you hear that because especially before streaming you didn't have access um, so somebody would drop a copy of Bob Marley's Legend, and then yeah, either... and Legend was a smart buy. Fine, fine. I don't mean to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't mean to throw yeah, too yeah. much shade at people. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. We should throw shade at them because, like, people stop there, and they do what they do with a lot of music, and they make it about themselves. Which there is a part of music consumption that it is about yourself, but also like it's important that you understand the culture that it came from, uh, just to make it better for you. Like, if you want to be completely selfish, you're just making it better for you if you know about where this music came from, instead of yeah. just being like, eh, you know. And and look, you know, jam bands pull from that type of stuff all the time. That's why a lot of jam bands are just no good, because especially any jam band that says they're funky. <laughs> like, yeah. you're, you, you're, you are uh, practicing, a, a in a fashion, syncopation. But you, you, it's right. so far from funk. Uh you know, and, and I don't have a problem with people like enjoying what they enjoy, right? But right. be be clear on, on what we're talking about. So, so this gets imbued uh, into that, and it just sort of makes this wonderful, like, rich picture of whatever what is going through Younger's head as far as what music we should be sort of exploring right now. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think I think people who, um, so I think I think folks who haven't really explored reggae might only they might only associate it with a certain mood, right? They might mm -hmm. think that reggae's you know can only be in the gears of like Three Little Birds or like right. Get Up Stand Up, which is like oh that's an angry song, but it's angry about weed, so it's like you know, but uh, but. My God, you know, Bob Marley's Burning and Looting is like one of the one of the greatest, angriest right. pieces of art ever made. And I, I just think everyone should go listen to it. Or, you know, um, my gosh, Mutabaruka, like uh, Prince Farai. There's so many there's there, 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 there are, are types of reggae for so many different moods. And it's not just this one uh, kind of uh, emotional palette that we've that we've put on it. But in terms of what it does for the record, I mean, I think. This is one of those moments that along with like the uh, the Pete Rock track really kind of keeps you guessing as to as to what lane the record is in. And this yeah. is where it sort of has this great like it's just multivalent. You know, I could listen to this record in the morning and be energized. I could listen to it in the evening and be soothed. Um, I could listen to it at, at two in the morning with my head in the clouds and just feel like I'm sort of traveling through the universe. I mean, it, it really right. does. Um, I would put this record with my parents around, you know, I think they would love it. Like, it's yeah. just, it's such a great, uh, all purpose 
piece of art. I don't even know how to explain it. Can we can we talk about that? What you just said for for uh, real quick for a second. Explore yeah. that. This is something that I don't think people think a lot about. Is that people who are not of your generation liking certain kinds of music, or think or thinking that like this might be too aggressive. And, and one of the great joys that I've had in being in Wisconsin is being able to hang around with uh, Daria's mom and uh, her mom's wife, Anna, who loves music. She plays bells in a church. Oh, nice. But I can send her stuff. And it before, literally before, before a couple of years ago, it never crossed my mind that she might be into this stuff. Uh, I haven't sent her this yet, but uh, I, the uh, Dreaming Alliance album, I sent her that. Okay. I, I've sent her like Phil Cook stuff. Uh, I've sent her like all kinds of, and, and obviously my stuff. And it's, it, it, it created like a, a really strong connection because all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute. Like yeah. maybe we're all overthinking this now. Like this has this. And so back to this album, this appeals to everybody. It should appeal to everybody. If you've heard, music that all any type of music that isn't part of this album then you're like hey this is for you and it's not like imitating any of it it's just a yeah. new chapter and you know there's also something with um and this this for me tees up a little bit of what the kind of best albums of the year maybe discussion uh will sound like but i just came across a clip uh on instagram one of those recommended for you because you liked something else and the algorithm wants you to see this and it's a clip of tyler the creator um, being interviewed and, uh, it was, you know, I just saw this a couple of days ago. It was like a year since I, since I saw Tyler at the something in the water festival here. And that was a great show. And I, I love his stuff. He's talking about, um, you know, hearing, uh, like 15 year olds, 17 year olds on the internet arguing about like Biggie versus Tupac or like Tupac versus Nas or something like that. And he's kind of saying like, come on, man, you're like a, you're like a, Bro, you're like a you're like a 16 year old in 2023. Why are you arguing about hip hop from the 90s? Right, like like you're sort of like the classic do you do that? rock conundrum. Yeah, are you doing that because you think you're supposed to? And then and here's here's the Tyler coup de grace. He goes on to say, "I love the shit out of Jamiroquai, and no one ever talks about Jamiroquai, but I play that shit all the time. People right. don't talk about it, and so you know when you think about music and when you think about what makes music good." A big part of it is, do you like it and do you enjoy playing it a lot, right? And that yeah. should be the main thing. And if you're letting someone else's idea of what the canon of that genre should be drive your taste, you're just going to find yourself in kind the of an canon awkward of the spot. genre being being very important. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm not I'm not saying ignore it. I'm saying I'm saying like you don't have to like you don't have to automatically go there and take someone else's word for the fact that these records are important you're going to find them if you explore the genre you'll eventually come across them right like i'm i don't yeah, know much yeah. from dorothy ashby beyond the rubaiyat um i'm going to you know i've 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 looked for her records and i haven't really come across them when i'm crate digging or whatever a lot of them are on cadet um i'll yeah. make more of an effort going forward for sure but the point is like you can you don't have to worry about never getting to the canon because if you're exploring a genre, you're eventually going to have to reckon with it. But you don't have to start there either. And you don't have to take right. the words of people, you know, if you're like a teenager in your 20s, you don't have to take the word of today's 45-year-olds, right? You should really right. just go listen to the things you want to listen to. I have a friend who really likes hip-hop, uh, another friend of the family. Um, he just went through a lot of stuff, uh, like open-heart surgery, lost some like a lot of, oh, a lot wow. of really really brutal stuff um and he has i saw him at a, some 
event, family event. And he's been texting me uh, all this hip hop stuff that I don't know about because I don't spend a lot of time in that world. And I need, I'm going to send him this because we had a very like serious discussion about jazz and he has the same thing. He's like, Oh, I have to like this, this, and he knows the canon, right? Mm-hmm. And he knows he doesn't like that. I'm like, no, 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 just you can go and look at all this other stuff and find your own way through this. And I would argue that you will find your way to these recordings that are held up as there's a reason they're canon. It's the whole YouTube Octoon Baby thing, or even David Bowie. You know, they they, they popularized music that was happening. Yeah, and and elevated it up to a different level just in terms of how it could be consumed. Um, and we all said yes. Yeah, but right, a lot of people right. said, "I'm not going to look any further." And you gotta, and you'll find albums like this. Yeah, it, and it's easier than ever today to like to look further than the thing you found. You know, um, yeah, it can be distracting. It can make it difficult to like feel like you have you're spending enough time with any one important record. But the point is like you can, you know, uh, today, if you listen to this record and you really like it and you're curious about Dorothy Ashby, um, with, you know, uh, two hours later, you could have heard, uh, you know, uh, two complete Dorothy Ashby recordings and then some, and then you could have gone onto YouTube and found some clips of her playing live or something. Right. So, um, if you're, if you're, if you're curious, you'll get there. I would, I would, I would just say that, you know, when, when, when something, strikes you the way this record struck us and it and it and it took us a little while to sort of say like yeah we should just talk about the record we really like um but but you know the way the way this album and it's short too we haven't said that right it's like under 40 minutes good good length yeah god it just and it does everything in that amount of time it's really 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 impressive yeah yeah so she's i mean i i'm not gonna say you're guilty of this i'm guilty of this so just thinking, oh, this person's just out there and they're just making stuff that I like. So maybe I don't have to check in as hard as I would on other stuff, but uh, and we'll talk about this in, in a minute. Um, one thing I've learned this year is that it is very much okay to just go for the stuff that you like. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, and I, and I really like this and I, I think everybody should go out and get it. I think it's, yeah, it's I, I don't want to say things like, oh, it's one of the best albums of the year, but like I can't think of one that I would rather put on right now. Out of all the records that came out this year, if I if I project like ten years ahead, which of the albums released in the calendar year twenty twenty three am I likely to be listening to in the year twenty thirty three? This is this is right at the top of that list. Yep. All right, so go out and get it. Uh, Brandy Younger's Brand New Life. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and we're going to uh, eviscerate the music industry, I think. Brand new younger, brand new life. Uh, go out and get that. Al- along those lines, before we really get into this, and, and kind of um, what we were sort of moving towards, uh, I just read a fantastic book on Wichita Lineman, the song. 
in Jimmy Webb and the uh, and the history of him and Glenn Campbell, uh, which I, I know a lot about both. But this was like uh, I I didn't know that Wichita Lineman was actually an unfinished song. Oh, uh, and I didn't know. Yeah, because uh, short version is that uh, Jimmy Webb was like hanging out with like Brian Wilson and shit and partying like Brian Wilson. So wow. he just okay. knocked this out in some like drug fueled haze in like fifteen minutes. And then sent him the tape and said, no, no, it's not done. No third verse. And there's no third verse in the song. Yeah. Uh, instead, they just do the guitar, which like mirrors the actual. Ver- so genius stuff. But I did something I never did, uh, never do when, I, when I'm reading a book about music. And I don't know why I didn't do it before. Then uh, It lists a lot of music that Webb was influenced by and that Glenn Campbell was influenced by. And a lot of it is like jazz records. And so I made a playlist and I'm going to listen to it like later on this week mm. of stuff that I, I was just not aware of, but it's actually considered, I think, canon, a lot of canon. And it's just, I didn't have access to it growing up. I didn't have anybody, exp- I mean, I've never heard you talk about it or anything, and it, but I know they're famous records. Okay. Um, so it's cool. So, but you can, you can do that even like if you're reading a book, you don't have to just be listening to an album. Uh, it's just like whenever... You know, to your point about it being so easy now, whenever somebody says something to, uh, about music or art in general that you don't know about, just write it down. The Take notes, five minutes the to notes, check it out. The notes app on your phone is a great place to put these things. I mean, what else What yeah. else do you have to do? Like pound a bunch of White Claw? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I know it's summer and that's why we're going on break. But but really, you know, there there is... Uh, it makes your life a lot better, I think. And that's, you know, stuff like that is why we do the show. Uh, but on to the year uh, as we know it so far. You know, I haven't even looked at any of the best of lists. Because I'll be honest, like I, I, I said to you, I said, we should think about what albums that will stick with us. This, this one will. It's a late entry into that. Uh, I can't name one. Uh, we've talked about some really good albums. Those, I mean, outside yeah. that, but like yeah, outside right. of those, I, I really can't can't name one uh, that said shout out to the new Janelle, Janelle Monet album. Uh, that might be it. Uh, yeah. You know, it's under thirty five minutes, uh, and it's just a it's joy. Like I, I don't even like I, I can't even describe it. It, it. it is what like when you hear people talk about records that like capture a vibe or the, the record of the summer, it's like, okay, whatever it has to fill a slot. This literally, you put it on. It's like, Holy fuck. It's summer. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm only, I've only, um, I only gave that album, uh, my first listen a little bit earlier today. So I'm not, uh, so, so I should, I should, yeah. uh, let me, let me frame it this way. When I think about, uh, the records I want to talk about right now are the records that I think I will, that I'm not done engaging with. Um, okay. and that's not necessarily to say that they're the best or the most perfect or anything like that. They're just records that I think I'm going to be coming back to and that like, uh, that, that so far have held my interest. Um, and like one of those for me for sure is, um, is the Lil Yachty record, um, which oh, I, that's right. Yeah. You, you did like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't, I mean, I mean, I did, I've given it a few more listens since then. I'll probably spend, you know, I, I, it may not be a record that I listen to much beyond, uh, the next six months or something like that, but there's something about that record that I still feel like I haven't gotten or quite 
understood. Um, and so I just feel like there's a way that I can connect with it that I haven't, that I haven't yet. So, um, that is for sure on my list, but you know, so is, uh, so is your favorite Lana Del Rey. Um, because I'm just usually slow to engage with her stuff anyway. And I think, you know, that, that record, uh, has some, has some really nice moments. Um, Jesse Ware is probably like near the top of my list because as we know, I like a sort of glamorous white lady singing disco. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the new Jesse Ware, like I'm going to be like, that record is going to get worn, you know, like it's, it's going to get a lot of play in my apartment, probably exclusively between the hours of like 11 PM and 3 AM. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like I've been doing what we are actively telling people not to do and just leaning back on like, the hits the stuff we like know it, well the comfort stuff and and i i don't know what for any reason that but like so i've got my favorites uh playlist it's updated every tuesday um this is this is gonna be great it's got eddie rabbit kim carnes foreigner Mario <laughs> Speedwagon, bob weir obviously tequila sunrise uh this one's got Derek and marshall tucker band is on here um ooh. Van Halen, Why Can't This Be Love from 5150. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, some Hollow Notes. Uh, Chessa Rich, though. Okay. But we talked about that. Wednesday yeah, we is on here. Uh, been liking that. Uh, the new David Wax. That was actually pretty good. Um, yeah, so it's stuff that, like, I, I it's not outside the, my realm of what people would expect. <laughs> yeah. Who know me or don't know me. It's just they'd be like, oh, you're, you know, almost 51-year-old white dude. What do you listen to? Well, that's, that's about well, it. Um, well, some, but you know, sometimes records have like, um, they sort of keep calling to you in a way. Right. So, um, probably the other, the other two for me that often if I'm like grabbing earbuds and going out for like a walk around the neighborhood or something, and it's like, what do I want to listen to? Um, two records that are almost always like near the top of that list are, um, the little Sims record. Okay. Um, and then, uh, Fatomata Diawara, who was on a couple of the gorillas things from a few years ago. Maybe I want to say Damon Albarn is like on, on this record, but, but the record as a whole, um, I just keep wanting to put it on. Like, I don't, it's not like a, I'm just like, Oh, what should I listen to? I should listen to that. So that's interesting because you're using, you were probably exposed to her from Damon Albarn. Yes. Yes. Gorillas put on an album this year which I have not and listened to really. So, and, th- and this is what I'm finding. And this, this also goes hand in hand with, I've been buying a lot less vinyl yeah, um, for various reasons. But it, it originally it was like a very conscious decision. Like, holy shit, I have a lot of stuff. Um, what I found was that stuff that I, w- I was buying, I was only listening to like twice. Mm. And so it's trying to figure out how to support artists without having just a bunch of stuff around our house that is just sitting there. Uh, not getting played, but um, I, I mean, I do listen to all the big releases that come out, and they are kind of, uh, for me, forgettable, and and that's just where I am, what we do, like on this show, what we talk about, like I have to think about music all the time, but that's not the case, like I, I the new one, I couldn't really tell you any anymore, I think last time I listened to it was a few months ago when it came out, Um, in my head, I'm like, it's no Demon Days. 
Right. And I, but 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 I'm like very open to like stuff changing, but stuff artists like like that don't seem to be necessarily evolving, and it's giving people more of the same. Uh, and and I'm I'm personally trying to figure out like what to make of of stuff like that. The Lana Del Rey question is very interesting to me still, but that's more of a thing that I don't understand the appeal. Uh, right. And because apparently I hate myself, I keep going back and f- back to it and being like, <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll figure this out. Uh, but on a, on a different wavelength, I know that'll happen because I started listening to Dave Matthews Band again. Yeah, you've you've done it. You've really gone into right, the, right. Yeah. But the only only the only like the first album. And I remember two things. Remember two things. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was a live EP. There's a lot of personal history tied up in that. You know, he was coming up in Virginia when I was in, in, yeah. in college then. So, I mean, and I was just down the road. But that aside, uh, it's it, it's it, it's interesting to think about that music in that terms, how big he is now and how people react to him and like what it actually represented at that time in like Southern American music. Um, and And for me, that kind of means... I think I'm enjoying a lot of new music less. It's just yeah. a rut I want to get out of because I'm just like, I'm thinking about what it's, what it's going to mean. So this idea that like, they keep calling you and calling to Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm going to need like some, some like historical meaning for that to latch onto and not have it just be like, Ooh, it dropped, it passed through, it's gone. Right. Well, you know, hopping off of the vinyl release schedule is a really good thing to do. Um, just so. because you're you're sort of living in this, and there's also so many of these sort of like prestige reissues of things, and it sort of creates this like atemporal quality to how you're experiencing things, where it's sort of like new but old, and like it it really does fetishize the past in a way that I don't always love. Um, the you know the Dave the Dave Matthews piece leaves me thinking a little bit about this uh, thing I keep saying a little bit as a joke, which is that which is that basically most bands should break up after five records. Like like most bands have like I agree with that. yeah they have like five good records. Like they're lucky to have really two or three that. good records in them. Yeah, right. And if you haven't found those records by like your fifth release, you're probably not going to find it. Um, and if and if you've already found it, then um. I'm okay with you not existing and Wilco fans may not like hearing me say that, but that's kind of, right. but like, but, but I just don't, I, I, I cannot summon the energy to be interested in new Wilco music. I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's competent. I'm sure it's well done. Well, that, you know, that's a good, that, that's actually kind of what triggered what, what I'm doing because, uh, I mean, it's, it's Wilco at this point. They're good. Like they're just, yeah, yeah. they're understood. They're good. There, there's no like, Oh, this is bad. But the vinyl is a double vinyl. It costs 40 bucks. And I'm like, the album may be good, but it is 100% forgettable yeah. for somebody who has... Uh, look, my first date with my partner was at a Jeff Tweedy show. Right, right. So, like, to say that, like, I I am that guy, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, but if you make stuff that isn't really that memorable, uh, I, I don't... I, I don't know what the answer is. They, they're not going to suffer, like, for me not buying that. Like, right, right. They're millions doing of people, they, they yeah. sold a lot of copies of, the, of that, that album. Yeah. But that having been said, they were one of the first shows we saw uh, at the end, tail end of the pandemic in Green Bay, because it was an outdoor show, and, was, and I shot it. 
and it was amazing. And and like, but do I need more deep thoughts from Jeff Tweedy? I don't know. I, um, but that 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 is what keeps this industry running. And so, you know, to shift the conversation a little, and we can come back to this. Uh, we talked about what was happening with the streaming services. Right. And and in general, like, and this is tied into like what it means to like make it or how you make it in the music industry today. Uh, I don't really see a path anymore, but I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. I there's no way to scale up to Wilco. Yeah, and and Wilco aren't like egregiously like rich. They put in like twenty years more like in their career. Right. A lot of those years. So, but there's no way for anybody to scale up to that except for like massive pop hit. Um, yeah. And what we're going to see, and I'm convinced of this now because of what's happening now in the gaming space, is we had a conversation about Apple Classical recently. Right. And how that was a trial balloon for like splitting off streaming services into genres. So what's going on in the gaming industry is that Xbox, Microsoft had this great product called Xbox Game Pass. And they were like, you can stream games, you have access to games, it's like $15 a month. Uh, and even if you're a casual gamer, like it's like, okay, I don't really want to buy a lot of games. But And they brought in a lot of like AAA titles, which is like the top top titles and stuff. Like anything, like we saw in, in the TV space, uh, these publishers got sick of paying them that much they still have to pay to use it so they're like now everybody's starting their own service so now you have like ea which had initially partnered with them they're probably going to split off uh you have ubisoft is doing it like uh that's what the activision deal is about and that's why they're blocking it that's why the government because it's 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 to not give people a choice uh when all these people want companies think that they should have a choice the end result though for me is that like it kind of ruins everything. It's kind of like dropping the candy bar in the pool. Like nobody, nobody's going to like get anything good out of it because nobody will be able to afford any of this stuff. And what will artists are going to suffer, but generationally that might be, we're at an inflection point where that might, it, it just has to happen. And like yeah. down the road, it's going to be better for it because we've been waiting for like a shift in the music industry, right? Yeah. There's a shift every like what, 15 years, 10 years, something like that. And it's just not coming. And the reason it's not coming is because of stuff like this, that it can't, there's no, people can't move up uh, past it to, to actually support themselves correctly. Uh, and, uh, but jump forward 20 years from now, when this does come to fruition, and like everything is like gone to shit, people are still going to be making art. So that actually right. like fills me right. with a lot of hope. And then right. they're going to be like, we have to figure out how to do this again because this system clearly does not work for anybody. Yeah, I mean the 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 brokenness of capitalism here. Yeah, which sounds like such a like redundant thing to say. Oh my God, there's a broken part of capitalism. What? Uh, yes. Um, so you know the the video streaming. None of those companies had ever been profitable 
but they but they sold themselves to investors and as a sound financial play based on like exponential forever unfettered growth right it's like oh you're not making yeah. money now well well that's okay we're going to have like 20 million more subscribers in in 2 years well will will you make money then also probably not but we'll be able to tell you how else we're going to grow right and so one of the one of the challenges there is that if you have a hit on a streaming service like you know Netflix doesn't make more money for people based on how many people watch stranger things um right and and so in a sense whatever you think about about th- that overall structure like when Netflix says like there isn't more money to pay some of these people like they're not lying exactly i mean they're paying themselves and they're doing all kinds of other things but but there's it's it's really it's really unfortunate to see this this sort of like exponential growth mentality still so pervasive in music because it should be clear by now that like you can't plan for that you know no one plans to become a muse or a taylor and swift or not everybody can be candlebox like man <laughs> <laughs> well well you know what i'm thinking of is the um I was I was just reading about this uh, earlier this week, the chartreuse shortage. Have you heard about this? I have not. Okay. So pandemic hits, right? Um, a bunch of people start making drinks at home, and suddenly there's demand for chartreuse, which was something that wasn't really, uh, you know, there weren't a lot of like home cocktail people before, or not nearly as many as there were during the pandemic. And, uh, and so it turns out that chartreuse is made by monks in a monastery. There are three of them who know the entire, the whole recipe. Um, someone told three me monasteries the, or monks. Three monks. There are three monks who know how to make chartreuse. <laughs> someone told me uh, two nights ago that that they think there are six now. Um, okay. But so that's a bottleneck right there. But ultimately, what what the monks have said is that they're not interested in exponential growth. They they say. It's harmful to us. It's harmful to the environment. Yeah. It's it's just bad in general. And what they really want is to do monk shit, you know, to be monastic and contemplate yeah. and reflect and commune with God or whatever. And and like making chartreuse takes away from that. So they are steadfastly refusing to like basically demand for chartreuse mm-hmm. now is like near infinite. And they're not interested in even trying to meet that demand. And there's something so like so great about that. Right. It's so rare to come across like someone saying no 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 i don't i don't want to scale up i don't want to level up i just want to keep doing the thing that i know how to do well and, and i don't i don't think like if that's what you want to do you scale up then then by all means like pursue what you want to pursue but the realities of it are you know we have a we have a good friend and like this this it just breaks my brain uh signed a label deal and the label the record just came out then the label is not giving any tour support yeah. Like what what is the label for at that point? Uh, yeah. You know, because if you're not on on one hand we're saying that like journalism is collapsed, you know, music journalism is collapsed. You basically have a few outlets and like a handful of like great music journalists, right? So it's really hard to sell like these records and you can't sell them against streaming. There's only a certain like wealthier class of people that are going out and buying vinyl. Uh, at least these type of records. Yeah, yeah. We won't get into the whole, like, people are mad at Taylor Swift for pressing a bunch of vinyl because she can right. sell it, you know, but right. but buying, buying like, uh, and I don't want to use the term indie either, just smaller, smaller scale records. 
what are you putting money like what are you spending on like how how do you intend to market your artists that way how does anybody intend to market and that's why i've been saying forever the the idea of regional scenes and really you can call it paying your dues uh you can call it whatever you want but being able to you know play a show a week in your hometown or region should be absolutely essential for any band starting out instead yeah. of what the model they've been sold was get on pitchfork and then you can do a nationwide tour. Yeah. Yeah. That rarely works. It, it has worked out for some people uh, as time goes on from the time when that was working out, like it, it but it, it didn't work out for a lot of people. And that's why you get these horror stories about touring and what they cost. And, and you know, it, it's, Separating the art from the job is real hard, but you gotta, you gotta, I've said this a lot, you gotta be both. And, um, it's not, it's not defeat. Like if, like if you can't like tour at a certain point in time, right? You have everything available to find out, like, can I go to this market? And then look at it like, oh, I'll probably only sell 10 tickets. Is it worth it? Personal decision. Yeah, it might be. It might be. That might that might be uh, yeah. that might that might be a necessary first, you know, first venture into a new zip code or a new region that you will then write that that like you're sort of that you're personally like, underwriting though. That, right, that's right. It's a play you're making. It's a play, right? Like yeah. you're you're sort of taking a risk and you're assuming some risk and you're and you're, you know, potentially creating some financial jeopardy hoping that there is a future payoff. Yeah. It's, it's tough out there. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, it's, it's, it's not a great, um, I feel like, I feel like we interact with lots of musicians who were really trying to figure this stuff out and they're coming from a place of right. good faith and, and, you know, and, and it does feel a little bit wild out there in terms of no one really knows what the next structure will be or what the answer to this will be. And I think for the first time I'm really understanding and connecting with your point about that sort of like retreating into like regional scenes that does that does seem like it's going to be an important part of the equation going forward yeah i mean and think about this was just the other day i was thinking about this think about the development of like england when the beatles were coming up in the 60s you know um england's small yeah relatively yeah um or ireland even you know so these people didn't they weren't america's huge i mean the, the, it's just <laughs> there, there's the, the because we are in a big country, and I'm speaking just to American musicians right now, um, it doesn't mean if you're from the East Coast, you have to be big in California. If you are, consider moving to California. Yeah. There's the old joke is like everybody leaves like D.C. for New York or, or L.A. Right. Um, I mean, that's real. Uh, yeah. But also, that's where the work is. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, despite... DC having like a bunch of clubs. Uh, but, but I see that, I see that mentality here. You know, they're, they're, we have such a rich ecosystem of clubs here and places for people to play. Uh, but I don't, I don't know if places where they can necessarily make a living just playing. Yeah. I think that's the, and that, that's really hard across the board in, in any town. But yeah. so it just depends on, you know, if you're out there and and you made a great record that we heard, like that you love, and you're like, hey, you know, that's just all I want to do. Yeah. That's good. 
and I hope people like us help with that. Uh, but I also hope like, like that there's perspective on that, that like at some point you'd be like, Oh, maybe this is not, you know, find more people to help. Maybe, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. It, it's just, uh, it, it, it's so, it's so wild out there. And being on the side of it, of actually putting out music myself is, I, I, you know, I understood all this, but now it's like, it's, it's personal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, there, there's a thing, there's a thing when you put out music, when you create anything, when you create this show there, to some degree, but, um, where even if you try to go into it with no ego, you, uh, your ego gets involved. Like you can't, it just, it gets involved. So when you see somebody like, like if you're the only person who buys a beams track, <laughs> uh, you know, that's, I, I love that. And I appreciate that. But also that's kind of like, Oh, like this is, and, and you do, uh, it, it, and it's something I never thought would happen. You immediately start to like, Oh, what is the value of my work? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. you have to have to re re jigger that, um, uh, which is, and real quick now, and, and we'll get off on, on something else to, to to address that. Actually, the Beams project is now uh, done, but for very good reasons. For very good reasons, because what I was trying to do was create a track a month, but engage in a new creative process, right? Mm -hmm. Like really grinding that this is new for me. You know, I've been doing the show and everything forever, but really grinding and making music. And what happened was, I was like, I really dig this process, but it led me closer to an album I've been working on for like three years. So oh, all nice. of this is going to be the lake. Now. Yeah. This is okay. like, this is new oh, to you. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and there might be one more in the beams project, but it's reached the point where I'm like, okay, there's enough here. I need to like shift the focus into actually retooling stuff, making everything actually fit that I have and figuring out the cohesive statement that is going to happen rather than make a separate cohesive statement that's beams and then waste basically waste the rest of the year on a project that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. You know, so, and, and that's like, for me, like that's the power of like music of making art of listening to art and stuff is that you find out stuff like that. You find out stuff about yourself, but it's, it's like, that's where the magic is. And that's what every artist, you know, goes through. Yep. Like every single one. Whether they write, yeah. whether they paint, whether they make music, what whatever they do. But I will sell approximately ten copies of that album. <laughs> I'll, and do, I, I'll, and do, I, I'll do one I, of the buyers. I can't wait. No, you got it free, man. <laughs> See? You already Oh, of the uh, new of the new beams. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, yeah, I was thinking yeah. of the lake. Yeah. Yeah. No, the lake. Yeah. You you yeah. bought it. You already oh, you that's paid the, for a track, you bought it. So uh -huh. like that that's the that's that's the that's the pact I made with the public. All right. And and you're the public. Um yeah, so so yeah, just I don't know. People are uh there's there's lots of people like us out there. Yeah. Um and find them and get them to talk about your shit and even if it just makes you feel good. It probably does. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that I think that probably sums up like our ambivalence about the current moment. I will say too, just yeah. kind of my own closing thought here is that is that nostalgia is having like just a hell of a run in general. There are so many um, 
acts that are that are coming back and i think coming back in a way that's kind of interesting um and doesn't feel like a total sort of uh you know I, and i say this because i saw like the yeah yeah yeahs and the walkmen uh you right. know and like april and may and like i hadn't seen either of those uh their first time around and i really enjoyed the chance to see them um i did not love being in you know national well, I, didn't, I didn't know that but you hadn't seen it other those bands yeah no no it was it was, oh, it was my first time seeing okay. both of those yeah yeah so um as much as the crowd was like what you would expect of like the ipa dad national core uh demographic um i still enjoyed the crap out of seeing those bands and so um i don't know michaela davis covered the grateful dead yesterday i'm seeing dead and company again next next saturday so yeah um who am i to lecture people about looking forward like i'm definitely <laughs> indulging uh my own sense of nostalgia here to that point though like dead and company i think are looking forward yeah like the yeah, I would the, agree. the the art of making art is not a piece of wax Yes. It's literally, uh, it's called a record. It is a record of a very specific moment in time. Yeah. Very different kind of work goes into that. But that's not the people. Um, and we need to be more invested in, in the people. And that doesn't mean you need to like stalk musicians. <laughs> you know, like, please be my friend. Um, but it means that you... And I think you and I have come around to it, and that's that's why we do the show now, and that's why we started the show back up because it is it is way more rewarding to hear a piece of work and consider what Brandy Younger is thinking about it, what she's putting in. Like you know, it's not just context. Yeah, yeah. it's like seeing like what she's done before, where this is coming from, and understanding that she made that for her. Yeah, she did not make that for me. She right, didn't make it right. for you. She made right. it for her. And and then figuring out what that means without, that's why when we like talk to somebody like Robert Ellis, uh, it really deepens, you know, the meaning of that album for me or for anybody. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Or anybody we talk to, you know, this, you could hear a Fruit Bats album and be like, that seems light and jaunty. <laughs> yeah, you know, but really, you know, Eric's a pretty deep guy. And, yeah, and yeah. It's, it's all there, uh, and he did that for himself. But yeah, it's it's just uh, the relationship we have to art, I think, is what's going to save it. Um, here, here. And that means not making it about capitalism. <laughs> this is where this is where I dropped the link. You can donate. Yeah. At, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I shake my fist at you, capitalism, but also uh, we have a Patreon. No. Um, yeah, yeah. So what do you think going forward into, we're going to be off to little September. Mm-hmm. Um, I've already heard some interesting albums that are coming out then. One of them sounds like Muse, but it's marketed as Americana. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. And uh, the rep agreed it was sounding like Muse. I'm like, so why is it Americana? Huh. But, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I can tell you I won't be listening to like probably the Queens of the Stone Age or the Foo Fighters. Um I'm really, you know, Joanna Newsom had some live uh there were some new songs um that she performed uh opening for someone now I can't remember who. Um and those were all over YouTube. I hope I hope those are being recorded and that there's sort of going to be a surprise release by the end of the year because we all know how much I love yeah, Joanna Newsom. Um, I don't really have my finger on the pulse in terms of like 
kind of big releases. I can think about the bands that I know around here in DC that I've seen a fair bit of, and I know they're all working on stuff that I'm I'm eager to hear. I want to hear the new Flower Bomb. I want to hear the new Outer Loop. Um, so, but I don't know. I mean, I'm going to be very show show centric as I have been, and that's really yeah, what sort yeah, of works yeah. for me better than like being tied to that whole it 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 doesn't feel like you're sort of plugging into a really nasty machine of like right pr and clout and all these other things right when you go to see when you go to see a band live they're either good or they're not right you either like it or you don't yeah. and i really yeah. i really enjoy that way of kind of interacting with with new music so that's you know i do have I do have quite a few shows uh, coming up, including Taylor Swift. Uh, right. But also including, um, you know, Nick Cave, who I've never seen live. And um, a question about the Swift thing. Yeah. How do you intend to experience that? And, and by that, I mean, um, I was having a conversation with somebody else about this. In an audience that size, what's the thrill? I'm not judging. I'm just, I'm yeah. just like, I, I, I legit want to know. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, okay. is the yeah. short, is the short answer because part of what I love about 200 person shows, which is most of the shows I go to, um, is that intimacy, right? Um, mm -hmm. when I saw, when I saw Swift on the reputation tour, she, you know, she has like two, she has two or three songs in her set list that are like her surprise songs. Those are like her flex spots where she can play something solo acoustic on the guitar and it doesn't require choreography and she can just play whatever she wants to. Right. Um, and she chose, and, 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 and this is maybe a sign of just, I don't know, weird luck or, or the universe being strange, but, um, the song she chose for her flex spot on the reputation tour when I saw her was, State of Grace, which is the opening song on Red, which is one of my absolute favorite Taylor Swift songs. I had no expectation that I would see that uh, song live. And, you know, the minute I heard her playing it, I was like, it was that cliche of like, I was just like looking at her playing the guitar and it didn't matter that I was in a stadium. It was just me and the song. And so I hope I get a moment like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is there is a definite thrill of being around a lot of fucking people. Yeah, um, big big dumb still, shows are can be fun if you know how to be a big dumb person, which is what I uh, intend yeah. to be. Just go see live music, people. Go be in a room where music is being made. That's the that's the like like music is for me the most immediate and engaging form of art. Um, so if that's not your thing, just go be, just, just like, remember that humans are capable of like endless creativity. There's so much we can do. We're doing new things all the time. And so if it's not music, just go be close to people who are making the stuff that you enjoy. And, uh, you'll find that the world makes a lot more sense that way. Yeah. Right on. All right. We will see you in September. I don't have an exact date, but it'll probably be like the first month. Uh, until then. Uh, don't listen to any more podcasts after this one. That's right. It's you're done. Not, podcast season is over. It's not hot podcast summer. Uh, we just just like go out, listen to music, listen to that Janelle Monae album, listen to the Brandy Younger album, uh, and uh, listen to Poco. I guess. Right. <laughs> we'll see you in a few months. 
Discolored. Discolored.